We've been here in the new town for a week, a week exactly. That new town is Nashville, right? So it looks like you're going to have to get to light country music now. Uh, you know, I, I feel like there's plenty of people here that like country music. I don't know that they need us at this point. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. All right, welcome back to episode number 127. This is Touchpoint, and uh, it's good to record again. Of course, I am Reed Smith, joined by Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed. I'm glad we're recording again as well. We took a little break for the 4th of July holiday. Hope you had a good holiday. But you're sounding a little different. You're you're dialing in from a different place today. (laughs) Yeah, I've alluded to this a number of times over the last several episodes, and Technically, we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks because last time we recorded, we recorded two episodes, uh, which we don't do very often. And so we've had the last couple of weeks, not really off, but kind of off. And, and much of which is because I was moving across the country, which I alluded to. And uh, so we have successfully landed in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, that's where we'll be making our home for the foreseeable future. And now that you're in Nashville, is this where you want to share like the news yeah. of what you're doing? So still doing the same thing that I've always been doing for all practical purposes. And if you don't know what I do, you know, by all means, reach out, but still doing the same (laughs) stuff, just doing it at a new place. And so pretty fortunate to have joined a a wonderful group of really, really smart folks uh, here in Nashville called Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. They're a strategic communications firm, works with hospitals and other healthcare provider side organizations all over the country. And so most everybody's here in Nashville. We've got a few folks up in Chicago in, a, in an office there, but I'll be based here and be heading up all of their uh, digital activities for their clients. That is so cool, Reed. I'm so excited for you. And I'm also excited that we're still going to be doing the podcast. We're still going to be recording. Everything's all set to go with this too, right? Oh yeah. No, nothing, nothing changes on this side of the equation. We'll still be, still be doing the show. Touchpoint is still Touchpoint. The other shows on the network, the other hosts on the network, which is a good opportunity to talk about them. None of that is changing. Uh, well, I'll say that it probably is changing, but to the good, we'll continue to add more shows, more hosts, more topics. And to see what we currently have, you can uh, surf the interwebs over to touchpoint.health, learn about those other shows, those other show hosts, Check those out. We certainly uh, appreciate the support. Rate, review, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And uh, we've got a pretty uh, pretty interesting topic for today, a little more on the business side of healthcare. But before we get to that, let's take a quick pause and we'll be right back. Using powerful AI-driven algorithms, Loyal's Guide helps patients along every step of their journey from choosing a doctor and finding the nearest location to signing up for an event or clinical trial. Whether you are using Guide's chatbot, live chat, or the powerful combination of both, Loyal's engaging platform integrates seamlessly into your system, maximizes efficiency, and improves patients' digital experience. To learn more or schedule a demo, 
visit them online at loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. That is loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. So we're going to be talking about the changing business of healthcare, or really specifically health systems, Reed. And this topic came to me, the idea for this topic came to me after interviewing someone that we're going to hear later in the show. It's a good friend of mine, Jeff Carr, that I worked with at Inova, who does a lot of things around building the business of his health system. After I was listening to the interview again, I, I started to think about how we see the business strategies are changing within hospitals and health systems. Isn't that fair to say? I think so. I mean, obviously, at a very large and national or federal level, uh, a lot of discussions on reimbursement, right? Like how how are people paid all across the provider side? Physicians, how are hospitals reimbursed, et cetera, right? So you see a lot of that. And then you've heard a lot of focus on the word consumerism, you know, and people's expectations on how they interact with everything in their life, uh, which includes their health care. Yeah. And consumerism, we talk about it a lot, too, on this podcast. But a lot of the outcomes of, of being consumeristic is a heavier emphasis on experience. We've talked about that a lot, right, where we're looking at now ensuring that our online digital experiences match the patient experience. And and also to that end, how marketing's role is evolving past what it's traditionally been in the past, which is more promotional in nature. And we're starting to blur the lines between marketing and patient experience and access and IT and all of that. And we, you and I have talked about that for years now on this show. Yeah, it's just it's not what it used to be, right? You can't just sit in your office and talk to your promotional products vendor and your outdoor board company and then you know, a couple of agencies and the yellow books, uh, yellow pages, et cetera. That's just not where we are anymore. And, you know, to what, like basically what you just said, you know, which is we've got to show success in what we do. And so we've got to think about things a little bit differently. You've talked historically uh, for a long time now uh, about ROI. Although side note, uh, with all this traveling, you know, we've got kids in the car, people are watching phones, technology, et cetera. So my 12 year old son somehow finds from when I recorded you playing the ukulele, the ROI song. <laughs> that never dies. Yeah, he was like, what is this? I was like, it's, I can't even, I don't even know how to explain. It's not that important. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so anyway, so ROI. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. And we haven't talked a lot about on on this show, but we also know that, you know, the industry is transforming. We're moving more towards value-based care. We're implementing more ACO-like structures and even narrow networks. And and that's a big part of how we health systems are transforming. Since we started to germinate this idea and think about it, we found this really great article that would be kind of fun to go through, which talks about the different business models that health systems can adopt to become more consumer centric. Should we talk about that? Absolutely. So this comes from everyone's favorite website. I know everybody has this bookmarked, but it's revcycleintelligence.com. I know that's my, <laughs> that that's one of the first tabs I open every morning. No, I mean, but ser- seriously, if you work in that space, clearly this is probably a, a you know, an excellent resource. I, I, I kid, but anyway, the name of the article Four Hospital Business Models for Consumer-Centric Healthcare. 
So the idea here is obviously uh, what we just said, healthcare consumerism is changing the way we operate and how hospitals operate and think about operations. And so this is, you know, the idea of maybe four potential business models, I guess, uh, that people could consider or look at. And what's interesting is uh, the, this article written by Jacqueline Lapointe, she quotes a number of different experts in here. But one of the ones that, at the very beginning of the article is Gurbreet Singh, who's PricewaterhouseCoopers Health Services leader. And he says that the major driver of the change in healthcare is the patient as the consumer. Many vertical and horizontal integrations are happening because there's opportunity to serve the patient more like a consumer, and the consumer is demanding better access, better choice, and hopefully better costs. All of the players that surround the consumer are making major adjustments and changes to deliver services to that consumer. Does that align with what you're seeing with the hospitals and, and, and health systems that you work with, Reed? It is because everyone's forced in this direction uh, because like he says in that quote, the consumer is demanding. Not, not that we we didn't come up because you do, if you go back and you look at whether it's the Ritz-Carlton or Studer or whatever it is, you know, people have come up with methodologies around experience, customer service, if you will, that have been important and have been implemented for years, you know, for the last 20-ish years or so, especially. Baldridge uh, became that award that everyone on the quality side of the equation was angling towards. And we've you know, saw the first hospitals get that award because people outside of healthcare can obviously get this 15, 18 years ago. And now we see more and more each year. So this isn't, you know, completely out of the realm, but it is still predominantly fueled by the consumer demand. It sure is. And because of that drive of the consumer changing the way we do the way we do healthcare, it's causing a lot of stress on us as hospitals and providers to change our, our margins. And our margins themselves are relatively slim to begin with. And that's why we we spend a lot of time looking at retail players. We look at you know people that are entering the, the market in a disruptive way. We hear a lot about you know joint ventures. There's a lot of things that are coming into play here that make it so that we need to really analyze and understand the way our business models are. And that's why PricewaterhouseCoopers Health Research Institute, or HRI, wrote a paper about this. these four business models. I think we should go through each one of them and talk a little bit about them. Because as we listen in, I think that if you work in a hospital or health system, you yourself may recognize that you're taking that particular position or that particular model in your market. Uh, well, you want to jump in with the first one? Let's do it. The first model that we see uh, is the product leader. And this is probably one that we see a lot of people angling towards, or um, this has been kind of the methodology for a long time, regardless of they really fit the definition or not. But it's delivering the most advanced care and best outcomes, right? So we, we want that best in class. Now, we say that in our marketing a lot. I'm not sure that's the business model necessarily, but we want to have best in class care, top quality doctors, uh, whatever the other little jingles are best in class to the geographic region that they serve. Uh, so that's a little bit different for everybody. If you're talking about Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, you know, even some of the cancer destinations, that's a little bit different. But for most, you know, it's kind of that regional community or outlay. This one seems logical to me, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is one that's been around for a while. When you are a product leader, 
really the focus here is on achieving care quality and outcome goals. And you do that by prioritizing clinical models and culture over cost reduction and consumer experience. You're building those best-in-class institutes. You're finding and attracting the best doctors, the best care, and you're really becoming one of those destinations of, of care for your marketplace, be it regional or be it even on a national or international level. And I know that in our heads and a few health systems that kind of fit that model, but even in a, in a very regional way, there are some health systems that are just known as like, whenever you have a heart problem, you want to go to this health system in this market. Or whenever you're faced with cancer or oncology services, you want to go to this hospital. I think that's kind of, I think we kind of understand how that fits in our markets, right? I think so. Even if it's just perception-based. So, Reed, when you think about these this product leader model, and you think about digital, because that's what our show is about. Well, it's about more than just digital. But when we think about digital in this space, uh, what are some digital strategies that organizations that are looking to become a product leader should adopt? If, if you're looking to deliver best in class, I mean, you can apply that label to you know the different digital deliverables uh, or what you have in your portfolio. So if you look at like the web presence, for example, we would be quick to say, well, you, you know, you need this, 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 and this, you know, from a feature set standpoint, appointments and chat bots and what, whatever it is. But I think some of being best in class is making sure you understand who the consumer is and, and that you've outlined this and laid this out in a way that best beats, meets their needs. Best in class, we can get confused with the most advanced I think that's a fine line that you kind of play, but I think it's important to make sure that we're delivering what we need to that particular audience, uh, not just, you know, putting new features on the website because we think that checks that box. And really like building out apps that or even your patient portal to support full care delivery and providing information that even if you're remotely, that you can actually access your health system, like through maybe some telehealth services that are remotely accessible because you're not always going to drive that long distance. You know, there's a lot of different things from a digital perspective that could support this. I would also probably say that SEO is important because you want to make sure that you're academic medical center or your health system comes up to the top of the search results when people are searching and that your strategies suddenly become much more larger in nature. Uh, maybe you have a larger footprint, but you certainly um, want to drive people to find out about your services and, and make sure that your your physicians are also active in peer-to-peer kind of communities like Doximity and others. Right? So what's business model two? Where do we go after the product leader? Another model is the experience leader. And this is really placing customer satisfaction at the top of the priority list, where really you will emphasize experience over cost while still delivering quality care, but you want to be able to operate the sort of seamless care, both locally and on a wider scale. You really have to, in this model, really understand consumer preferences Mm. and identify methods for delivering consistent experiences across all providers in the system and even those in the virtual space. So here now, what it is, is is looking at the experience and making sure that your experience is consistent regardless of how you're interacting with the health system. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, we talk a lot about that in digital, right? Like no matter how they come to us or how they find us, personalization, you know, comes to mind on the marketing side of the equation, you know, marketing automation kind of stuff. And site personalization or, you know, whatever it may be that even the simplest form, hey, you clicked on this ad, 
when you then follow that click and you land on our property, we should at least make it seem like we know that you came from that ad. Like don't just dump everybody on your homepage. And and I know that sounds simplistic, but but again, that's all part of experience. Right. And your CRM really has to be able to start to track and identify what their preferences are, their communication preferences. And, and you talk, and, and in this model, right, you're, you're looking at uh, offline and online experiences as being as seamless as possible. So that if someone shows up at a health system or maybe even an outpatient facility and gets, gets seen and treated, then once they leave, you want to make sure that you know, using marketing automation and other tools that it's consistent. You keep communicating with them. You're driving them to make the next best action to maybe, you know, make the right choices, et cetera. Digital front door strategies are important in this model because you want to make it easier for people to access. Experience it runs well past the marketing suite now. Now you're getting into long-time loyalty-based digital strategies so you can communicate with them throughout their entire life cycle. Mm. That's a whole different model. It is. And it's funny, and I don't want to foreshadow too much here, but you know, as we look at the the first business model that we talked about, the product leader and now the experience leader, you can start to see how digital kind of weaves its way through both of them and it becomes a digit a, a business model, right? So like if you're gonna be the product leader, some of the experience is, is gonna matter on the digital side. Before we go too much further, we got a couple of couple of models left. Maybe let's take a quick break and we'll come back and hit these last two. You care about simplifying the way your healthcare organization does business, and so do we. At Scorpion, our mission is to empower our clients to focus on things that really matter by giving them a simple, powerful, effective suite of marketing solutions for their healthcare digital presence. To learn more, visit us online at scorpion.co. All right. So before the break, we talked a little bit about the first two, which is the product leader and the experience leader now is the interrogator. No, sorry. It's not the interrogator. It's (laughs) (laughs) uh, the integrator. So this is an interesting one because obviously uh, they they talk a lot about the emphasizing value through a greater scale, maybe bigger scope, whatever it is. But you see this on the clinical side, right? Like you see I'm going back to the Mayo Clinic again, but you see different hospitals around the country that are part of the Mayo Clinic Care Network, I think is what they call it. You know, that's a type of integration that changes both scope and scale for those organizations. This, Or even like Cleveland Clinic, where they maybe partner with big national companies and be the exclusive provider of, let's say, you know, the cardiac services. You're now going into multi-regional or even a national reach, or as I said before, an international reach. And through this large footprint, uh, the organization will achieve value through a broad network of providers. And by the way, by offering this broad network of providers, you're also being able to build these networks where you're you're able to ensure that the costs are being also managed because lower costs are a top priority in this model because as you scale large there is a, a hazard if you don't do this right it could your cost could scale large too why this is necessary i guess is we've seen the way people use the healthcare system and specifically health plans change Good gracious, it's expensive to have health insurance. 
just as an aside. Yeah. You know, I'm not even trying to make a point. It's just, it's just really expensive. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you know, they, we've seen these higher deductible health plans. So when you have these hugely high deductible plans, or maybe it's a, a an HSA or something like that uh, driven plan, so you're coming out of pocket more often. Cost is a big thing that becomes a differentiator when you're looking for care. It sure does. And patients are more and more looking at patients and maybe even consumers, right, are looking at more transparency in this space too. And particularly when it comes to the cost of care and when you're in a network and when you're, like you said, you know, it's, it's very expensive to have a, have health insurance, building this integrator model, really you're looking at providing different care options along an entire cost spectrum and showing very transparently to consumers that the cost for an in-network provider uh, we'll have these types of cost deliverables. And if you opt to choose an out-of-care provider, it's going to have these other cost uh, parameters and a really kind of incenting consumers to, to opt into that care continuum. This is probably also why we're seeing such a driver around mergers, acquisitions, not just between health plans, uh, but healthcare systems, certainly. We're seeing more and more of that consolidation. It's just becoming necessary. And I mean, mergers and acquisitions, I mean, that's huge. I can't remember a health system that I've worked at in the last 10 years that has not acquired or been in joint ventures or had these kind of weird relationships where you're maybe even joint partnering, owning a care delivery um, with your competitor in the marketplace. You you see it a lot, especially between like systems and physicians around like ambulatory surgery uh, centers or imaging centers, sleep labs, urgent care. Urgent care is another one. You know, I think we'll see a lot of consolidation in that through M&A. And, you know, the health systems themselves actually many times also create an insurance product or maybe acquire an insurance product to be the really the entry point to those to those services. So you, you partner with one of the big healthcare payers to create an insurance product for your for this network, or you create one yourself, right? right? In this model, that's important because from a digital perspective, a lot of times you start the consumer down the path where they're selecting from that healthcare payer site or that, that payer's website, and they're given the full transparency of all the different cost options. And so digitally, you want to create not only price transparency, but you want to be able to provide decision support, giving them options where they can, you know, different care uh, delivery models where they can actually access their care. And, you know, you, you really the promotion of what you do is really to help uh, educate the consumer to make more educated choices with their care. Absolutely. All right. Well, that gets us to the first three. What's uh, what's the last one we're looking at? The last one is what they call the health manager. And this is where the health system is focusing on enhancing the health of an entire population over time. And they focus on finding ways to serve complex populations and address the social determinants affecting health. And a lot of times, too, addressing health equity problems that are within your marketplace to really create value in the system. So I think a lot of these, you know, you can think about as uh, like public health systems. Yeah. And I think, too, when you start talking about social determinants, I think that's an interesting one because that's everything from like food and a place to stay to Internet access to it doesn't even have to necessarily be about the health care system. 
this, this type of business model focuses on risk-based alternative payment models in order to get paid for delivering services outside of the traditional healthcare model. So maybe partnering with local food banks or maybe offering housing. I've seen this uh, recently. A health system was offering a housing option to address low-income patients, basically putting them into safe housing communities uh, in order to uh, give them access to food, access to all of the social determinants that are needed in order to keep the cost long-term down for that patient population. Can you get paid for doing that? I feel like that's that's the big hurdle, right? Well, in this case, right, you, what you do is then you focus on this particular business model that's not traditionally healthcare. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna still have these high these high deduct or these high risk uh, offerings that are are not going to be profitable for you through charity care offerings, whatever it may be. But what you're doing is, as a health system, you're starting to invest in these non-traditional things. Like in this particular example I gave, in housing, you be- suddenly become a realtor of low-income housing. Or you know, you could do that with food, or you could doing fundraising around charity to support these populations to keep them basically in in healthy environments. Well, I mean, it can even be in the healthcare space, right? Like you know, I've seen organizations offer acupuncture and you know, chiropractic services. Whoa. Hey, don't at me on that. Like that's not, <laughs> I'm not endorsing anything. I'm just saying it's out there. So don't, don't, if you're, if you're a clinician, don't, don't come to me with um, endorsing acupuncture and chiropractic in, in the hospital. But I'm just saying there's other things, even in that healthcare realm or what people would consider that healthcare realm that are non-traditional. All of these four business models that we've kind of talked about, Reed, they all center around understanding your consumer and understanding what your market needs, basically, and what the consumers in your marketplace needs. Each business model has a unique goal, and they have unique capabilities to achieve that goal. It's based on what your local healthcare marketplace needs. It does. And so, again, it's interesting when you look at all four of these business models, product leader, experience leader, uh, integrator and, and health manager, there, there's a very logical way to weave digital through all of these. So even if your organization is a product leader, uh, it doesn't mean that you can't take elements from experience or health manager or whatever it may be to you know kind of create a digital experience that serves the people that are in your community. You know, and spoiler alert, a lot of health systems maybe do two or three or hybrids of, of some of these. Having a good, solid digital strategy that aligns with whatever those business model or models are for your health system is 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 critical. I think we could talk a little bit more about this. Each one of these probably would warrant a whole podcast episode itself. So if any of our listeners that are listening in want to reach out to us and talk about how they're addressing their business models in their health systems, we'd love to hear about that and love to hear some success stories. We absolutely would. All of these, like to your point, could could be its own show, but we'd love to hear how people, especially in the digital space, you know, what does that look like? We'd love to do some more episodes on it um, and excited about the uh, interview we got coming up. That's right. So let's, do, let's, without further ado, then let's toss it over to Jeff Carr from Innova Health System. And he works in uh, sort of the 
business side of healthcare. Traditionally characterizes the B2B space, right? He, he develops business-to-business solutions from his health system. And he's going to share a lot of ideas that he's done in his space and how he's starting to adopt different business models to address some of the foundational strategies of his business. So let's give him a listen after this quick break. Are you struggling with online reputation management? Binary Health Analytics provides healthcare systems, hospitals, and physician practices a complete view into managing patient feedback from online ratings and reviews and especially surveys. It continuously mines feedback for sediment, uncovering timely and actionable insights. Its management tools help turn these insights into an opportunity to increase patient engagement, manage reputation, and improve patient experience. To learn more about Binary Health Analytics, visit Binary Fountain online at binaryfountain.com. That is binaryfountain.com. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert section of our podcast. And today I have the delight, I have to say delight, Jeff, of talking with Jeff Carr, who I've worked with before at a health system on the East Coast, which you'll, you'll mention. Not only did we work together, we became friends together. And all these years later, we're getting together and talking about something that's really important that our audience doesn't know a lot about. But let's, let's first start with um, an introduction. Jeff, introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to, to speak to um, your audience and speak to you today. Uh, my name is Jeff Carr, and I'm the Corporate Growth Officer for ANOVA. Um, Inova is a large health system outside the nation's capital. Mm-hmm. Okay, so corporate growth officer. That means a lot of things for a lot of different people. Tell us a little bit, high-level brush strokes. what kind of responsibilities do you have at the organization? I am a producer, so I produce revenue for the organization. Um, I work with consumers and I work with employers to commercialize services, to sell. And there's various ways to, to define sales. I mean, I, I, I could define it this way. I mean, sales in the traditional sense is uh, inspiring someone, you know, to buy, to meet a need, right? To contractually bind an organization. I mean, those are things that me and my team do. So that is traditional sales, uh, business to business sales. You have folks in your pipeline or prospects in your pipeline. You close business. Um, So you go right from pipeline all the way to contractual agreement. But at the end of the day, you're promoting your organization, right? You're an ambassador. You're trying to grow the organization, build relationships. Um, so sales comes much easier, or it should come much easier when you have a deep pipeline um, and you're you're a servant. Right. Um, you're fulfilling a service or a need. So unlike what marketing does in terms of like patient acquisition, like identifying a service line, trying to identify the audience to bring them in, that sort of thing, you work in a different way. You work with different audiences. That's correct. So I work traditional, we say B2B, right? Business to business. So I work with brokers mm-hmm. who could actually sell for me or for the organization. Mm-hmm. And those might be more traditional third-party administrators sometimes. They could be benefits brokers. Um, And then many times, uh, most of the time, we'll work directly with the buyer, which would be the employer. Mm. So that could be CFO, CEO, could be HR benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also we work with consumers directly as well. And the traditional B2B space, right? We're talking about there could be like EAP, employer assistance programs, and maybe on-site clinics, those sorts of things. It can. It could be um, really any service that you're providing to an organization 
um, to serve their eligible employees. Mm -hmm. um, and there's probably a dozen or so services, you know, directly that we provide. But yes, I mean, we're billing for the most part, we're billing the employer directly for these services. If you are a health system that also has an insurance product, that, that would be part of the portfolio as well? It, it would. And that would be, um, you don't necessarily have to have a corporate health program mm -hmm. um, to have an insurance product, but let's, let's play it out this way. So if you did have an insurance product, mm -hmm. uh, but yet you had all these other relationships directly with employers, um, the way insurance is sold is it's sold typically through a broker. That's the way the industry is. I mean, okay. insurance does not sell directly to an employer. They go through a benefits broker because the employer decides to hire that benefits broker to go out to bid and to find what's best. They're subject matter experts. So imagine if you're a health system that has an insurance product as well as has direct employer relationships, you can see where I'm going with this, right? The relationships we have could influence the potential buyer. Um, of oh. that because the insurance company does not have that relationship directly with the employer. It's interesting. It's like a, almost like a relationship-based approach. It, it is. It is. So if you leverage your talent, I suppose, or maybe the people in an organization who have those relationships, really everyone is doing sales. Sales is not a dirty word, right? right. I mean, sales is promoting your company. So every marketer should be doing sales or promoting, right? That's fair to say. They might not be looking for the signature on the, on the magic line. Mm -hmm. um, so your CEO, your board, other people are promoting or government relations, mm -hmm. external affairs, physician liaisons are mm -hmm. promoting. At the end of the day, what if you were to leverage those relationships and maximize those relationships to grow your organization, not just grow the corporate health services, that's a smaller part of it, right? right? But to grow your organization across the entire spectrum. Health systems tend to be one of the largest employers in, the, in a marketplace, and by that they have a lot of purchasing power, so to speak. Talk a little bit that's, about that. That's correct. So um, health systems or hospitals buy a lot of things, mm -hmm. right? Uh, purchase a lot of things. And they purchase those things sometimes locally, sometimes nationally, or they like to contribute to the economic vitality of the area that they're in. Mm -hmm. uh, but so many times when you inventory your assets of who has those relationships, you may not necessarily always look at vendors, right? People you're buying things from. And so you can basically look at that and see who has the relationship, and you know, are they giving you a fair shot to provide services back to them? Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, what you might uncover is they don't use your facilities or your services. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a whole strategy amongst itself. Mm -hmm. And it's a delicate balance. I mean, you cannot make someone use your facility right. or use your services, right. but you certainly from a, a building a, a reciprocal relationship, um, you could sit down with them and talk to them. And trust me, they're willing to talk to you. If you're a big vendor, uh, they're willing to listen. Maybe from a philanthropic standpoint, I mean, for the most part, most hospitals have philanthropy, mm -hmm. and I'm sure vendors are being approached that way, but um, maybe not so much on the services. And that's kind of like shifting the mindset now of how health systems kind of show up in their marketplace. Our audience is a lot of like marketers, and to them, their audiences are, are consumers primarily, like patients, yes. etc. In this case, what you're saying is, um, as you expand sort of the portfolio of what you can offer, now you're you're opening up new doors. So help to contextualize that. I mean, where do you spend your time, right? So if you peel back the onion of healthcare and who's using your facilities or, your, or who you're marketing to, you're primarily marketing to people who have insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Where do they get that insurance, right? They get that at work. Where do they spend most of their time? At work. Mm -hmm. um, who's paying a lot of those claims? Not just the consumer or the employee, but the employer. 
So this matters. I mean, navigating healthcare really matters. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I talked about today was at no cost, and you don't have to have services to sell. How is it an organization? How is a hospital or a health system introducing new people to their market? I mean, a lot of times we talk about inclusion when new people come into our company. I always laugh. We throw parties when people leave, but we don't wrap our arms around them when they join, right? Uh, yeah. So the same thing could be said for people who are moving into your market. Mm. A lot of marketers talk about new movers, and that's great. But imagine if you welcomed leaders to your market because mm. every leader needs a primary care. Yeah. Every leader might need an OB. Every leader may have children need you know, a pediatrician. What we've done in the past is we've congratulated um, executives on promotions outside the organization. Mm -hmm. If there's anything I can do to help you, uh, we've also welcomed new CEOs into our market and new companies into our market, not selling them anything, but just being a servant and being an advocate and saying, we're here for you. Welcome to the region. Welcome to the area. Uh, let us know if we can help you navigate anything for you or your family. That's extending your the mission of the health system to this relationship now that you're having with the business community, right? That, that's correct. And so many things could come from that. Mm -hmm. um, I've had stories in the past where, you know, Fortune 500 companies have moved to the region that I'm in, um, and I've done that tactic and that approach. Uh, you know, the individual continued to be on our board of directors. That's mm -hmm. how we recruited this person to be a loyal ambassador of our organization. Mm -hmm. um, so again, they're selling, maybe not, you know, saying it directly, right. but they're promoting the organization and they're loyal. Mm -hmm. So um, navigating healthcare, as you know, Chris, is hard. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, um, transparency, navigating, knowing where to go, who to go. But imagine having a um, navigator, or a liaison, or an ambassador to help people um, navigate through. That's how you build relationships mm -hmm. with the top or with people that are that are promoted. That kind of redefines your relationship with the board. If you look at, I mean, you kind of sometimes go outside of healthcare, mm -hmm. right? And we've all been on boards. I mean, I'm on boards, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on community boards and. You know, help uh, take disenfranchised kids, put them in, you know, IT and finance internships, right? Well, why am I on the board? I mean, they chose me. I mean, I have a passion to help youth, but it's to connect people. Mm. It's to help those young people find uh, college scholarships and internships at these companies because I have that distribution, right? That's my contribution. Everyone's in it together. I mean, let's be honest with high, high deductibles, right? Yeah. Remember, go back to the employer and how what plans are offered, how you could influence those plans, by the way, mm -hmm. if you have that relationship with the broker. Um, and healthcare is expensive, right? Yeah. It's a drag. I mean, healthcare hospitals and health systems are a fortune. There's a lot of commas and a lot of dollars flowing in and out from a procedure, right? And if you're on a high deductible plan, you might pause for a moment. You're going to shop around. You're going to look, okay? So you, your traditional utilization may run dry, right? Everyone has that, you know, try and get more cases, right. get more, you know, MRIs, CTs, surgical procedures. Uh, but think about it. If you're expensive and a self-insured employer is worried about their costs, they're going to look for alternatives, right? So that's a challenge. So as you diversify your revenue, you kind of have to look to the ambulatory market, right? Mm -hmm. And within that ambulatory market, you know, corp services directly to an employer um, could be very relevant. It could diversify your revenue stream. I mean, that's why people got into the population health world, right? To diversify their revenue. Same thing can be said with direct contracting, where some companies across, actually many large companies, contract directly with leading health systems. Mm -hmm. And you cut out the middleman, per se, not to use slang, but you're cutting out the traditional insurance and you're going to those facilities because of cost and quality. Mm -hmm. And these are big cases like transplant, right. surgical procedures. So the challenge is really, um, is figuring out ways to bring in new revenue 
um, diversifying your revenue stream, um, and that's really what every health system is trying to do. So whether you do that with corporate health services, whether you do that with ambulatory, whether you do that with genomics, pharmacogenomics, whatever it may be, right, whatever your, your mission is, but if you have a dialogue with an employer, you can find out what their pain points are, mm-hmm. because you may be one of their pain points. Mm-hmm. Meaning if they're spending X amount of million in your facility, they look at you as like a, like a vendor. Mm-hmm. Again, what kind of wellness, what kind of prevention, um, and what kind of relationship do you have? Do you know the employers in your market? Do you know their, know their pain points? You know, at the core, what you're describing is what a lot of marketers do with the consumer, right? It's understanding your audience and understanding where their pain points are and helping to to map and, and maybe even make those pain points a little less friction. That, that's exactly right. It's servant, servant, servant. You know, and I keep repeating those words over and over again, is that um, understand what an employer needs. Mm-hmm. Sit down with them. Uh, understand that you know, half of their medical spend may be on prescription drugs. Because if you're a hospital and health system, just like today, I challenged everyone to go back and ask their VP of HR, their benefits leader, mm-hmm. how much do they spend in you know, healthcare claims. Right. And what keeps them up at night? Because the more you invest in that as a company, the less you can invest in technology to grow your company if you're paying claims and, and so forth. So that's the world that we live in. I mean, this is consumerism uh, like at the meta level. Do you see this as like uh, this this model that, you're, that you've built here at Anova? Do you see this happening across the, across the other health systems? I do. I see a lot of, I mean, direct contracting has not gone away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it will continue. Um, I have seen other health systems. Um, we started a concierge program. Um, in the past. Now, who would ever thought a health system would be in the concierge business? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got private companies like NDVIP and others that have been doing this for years as single practices, but a health system in the concierge business? And so think about that. A membership model um, where members pay for primary care services and that doctor limits their panel to, say, 400 members, 500 members, 600 members, um, and then these doctors are in network. So what I'm seeing is that's a diversification of revenue. So I see systems, hospitals and health systems in certain markets, uh, East Coast, West Coast, and actually Midwest, um, saying, you know what, I want to dabble into the concierge medicine, the subscription medicine model, mm. and market that directly to consumers where I have a membership revenue coming in, not just the traditional corporate health services, but I'm seeing consu- services sold directly to consumers. Um, that maybe we have not seen in the past. But there's a lot of outside competition in this space. Is that fair to say? I mean, it, we, we it see is. disruption. It is, it is. But like I told folks today, hospitals and health systems are trusted sources. Mm. Okay. Uh, people want, just like going back to the employer world or the broker world, people, if, if you had an external affairs department, a marketing department, sales department, government relations department, liaison department, employers want to hear from you. Okay, the community wants to hear from you. Consumers want to hear from you. So there's lots of competition in the concierge space um, in certain markets, especially major urban areas. Um, but um, health systems have something unique, right? If you could help someone navigate healthcare throughout your entire system, if you're a solo concierge practice, but they're probably referring to the same person they went to med school with, right? I mean, nothing really changes. Right. Whereas if you're tied maybe to a school of medicine, you're tied to an, tied to an integrated healthcare delivery system, um, you have access points and contacts and navigation. Um, and that, that is a win-win. And consumers understand that. Yeah. They understand if you have a concierge program through Innova, 
uh, or another large health system, what that means for them and their family. Right. I love talking with you about all these things, Jeff, because this is a whole side of healthcare that me sitting in the in the marketing suite really I, I don't spend a lot of time on, or maybe we're just dabbling into. But really, what you're doing, what I'm hearing is, it's like you've really taken this whole concept of understanding your customer, understanding their needs, and you're in part you're helping to shift and 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 build really offerings for them to meet those needs. That's right. It's a two-way conversation. And that's where, I mean, we as marketers or business development folks, I mean, we might spend hours on business plans, right? There's nothing wrong with, um, you know, strategic planning and, uh, you know, looking at data, of course. Uh, but sometimes you just have to have a customer, right, to get something going. I mean, go right. figure, you know, just start right. with a customer and find out if they have a need and see if you can meet that need. Now, a lot of times you can pilot things internally to your own people. And you know, make mistakes. I mean, learn from it, and then commercialize it and take it out to market. Um, and a lot of times, you want to inventory your assets, right? Because there may be things that you have in your organization that you could sell back to consumers or employers mm. and their employees. Yeah. Uh, one example would be uh, most hospitals and health systems have safety net clinics, right? Mm -hmm. These are clinics for underinsured. You know, what if you took that model and took it to an employer? Right, concierge medicine for underinsured, mm. and you had a model where um, you have a lot of leaders of small business, and they want to provide better for their employees, and they can't. I mean, they might provide insurance, but the deductibles might be through the roof, um, so they could actually pay membership models. Again, in, in if you talk to employees, that's if the one takeaway is how we have a two-way conversation. Right, a lot of times we as marketers we spit things out. Right, and we hope things come back. Right, but imagine sitting down and having a dialogue just like we are, right? and learning and understanding the pain points and coming up with solutions. Mm -hmm. How do you see the role of digital playing in all in this space? Yeah, I see a, a huge role, right? Because everyone obviously has a mobile device, right? Yeah. So they're accessing our services and needs from a mobile device. Mm -hmm. So how easy is it to navigate, right? And then we go back. They're not so new, but video. I'm a big believer in video and web video. And what I mean by that is not just showcasing your services in a video mm -hmm. uh, and what you can offer in a video, but showing your talent in a video, showing your physicians in a video. Nothing new, but let's go back to the concierge program. You know, I always said if you're buying a house, right, I've always told our physician uh, sales liaisons, if you're out, you know, and a doctor is not found on your website, just like buying a house, are you going to go any further? with that right. house, if you right. see this picture not found. Right, exactly. What about video not found, right? So right. web video mm -hmm. is big, big in business to business, business to consumer. I'd also say I'm big on testimonials because there's lots of strategies, right? I mean, you could sell and market peer to peer, CEO to CEO, HR to HR, and buyers want to see themselves, right? And they want to see themselves with the same type of problem. So I, and same solutions, right? So. I'm big on web video, uh, testimonial web video yeah. um, from concierge members, video testimonials for employers. So I use digital that way. Uh, it's been widely successful when yeah. folks end up calling us when they view us from a mobile device. Ironically, they watch the video, they understand our providers, understand the service, quite frankly, many times equal to the person they're calling. Uh, from a training standpoint, I have to coach folks to say, Look, these people, our website and our digital is so strong, you got to understand, like actually listen to them. Because mm -hmm. if you pick up early on verbal and nonverbal cues, you're going to understand that 
they've already viewed that video. Right. They understand as much about that physician or that service. Um, so I see digital that way. I also see the need for um, you know CRM across the board. Yeah, of course. And maybe not CRM in the traditional way, Chris, that maybe some of your viewers or listeners, uh, but CRM around business to business and relationship. Meaning, are your government relations folks sharing the same CRM as your uh, business to business folks? Are your outreach people serving seeing that way? Are they all viewing it that way? Are you leveraging all those relationships in a CRM? Well, you know, I mean, it's like bringing the RM, the relationship management part of a CRM to bear, right? Jeff, I could talk to you forever about this stuff, and I learn so much every time I talk to you. Is there anything, parting thoughts or ideas that you want to share with our audience? No, I think in summary, you know, just um, at no cost, right? I mean, remember, you know, welcome new leaders to your area, whether you're using digital technology or not, but, you know, think of the loyalty when people get promoted. We talk about new movers. There's no cost to that. Mm -hmm. Look at your vendors. There's no cost to that, right? A lot of these things there's no cost to at all. Um, inventory, get out, talk to people, talk to movers and shakers, talk to employers. Again, no cost to that. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all things that you don't need a line item you know, in a budget to do. You just have to take the time. And quite frankly, I think if you're a marketer, whether you're digital, whether you're a marketing manager, uh, mm-hmm. whether you're managing a website, get out and talk to constituents. Yeah. And not just internal, but external. It, it, it inspires you when you do that. And you make it sound so easy, but I know it's it's just a very difficult field to be in. A lot of people listening in may want to follow up with you online. What's the best way for them to reach you online? Uh, through LinkedIn, okay. they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, if they if they search um, Jeffrey Carr, uh, actually Jeff Carr, unless you're my 87 year old mom and you're yelling <laughs> at me, you can call me Jeffrey. Uh, so Jeff Carr and Nova, and it should pop up. Well, thanks so much, Jeff, for spending a little time with, with, uh, with us today. I really appreciate the thoughts, and I'm looking forward to having you back on. Thank you, Chris. I enjoyed it. At HealthGrades, Better Health gets a head start. They help millions of consumers each month to find and schedule appointments with their provider of choice. With their scheduling solutions and advanced analytics applications, they partner with more than 500 hospitals across the country to cultivate new patient relationships improve patient access, and build customer loyalty. To learn more, visit them online at healthgrades.com. That is healthgrades.com. Well, thanks to Jeff Carr for his insights. That interview was really informative, and I've known him for years, worked with him before. And not only is he really smart at what he does, as you can hear or read, um, little known fact, he and I would go uh, bike riding all the time when we lived in D.C. together. So if you're ever in the D.C. area and you want to go for a good bike ride, I'm sure Jeff would be up for it. Awesome. Yeah, it's always good to talk to smart folks, and please reach out uh, to Jeff. Let him know you appreciate him being on the show. Before we get to recommendations, let's uh, maybe hit on a few places we will be in person, uh, starting with the aforementioned Nashville. I will, uh, I'll be at Shishmed this year. Shishmed is in Nashville, which is handy for me now, <laughs> September 8th through the 11th. So if you're coming to town, let me know. I may know of some things that are going on that you would want to be invited to. So uh, reach out and let me know you're coming. Absolutely. And not maybe a little bit more than a month later, you and I are both going to be in Rochester, Minnesota. Now that's closer to my neck of the woods. So you're going to have to fly up up here mm-hmm. up to the bold north 
in October to attend the 2019 Mayo Clinic Social Media Network Annual Conference. And that should be a fun show, Reed. You're going to be doing a workshop. I'm going to be presenting. And we're going to be recording a live episode of this podcast in front of a live audience. Absolutely. And the exam room host, Dr. Brian Vardabedian, is one of the keynotes. So we've got quite a bit of touchpoint presence up north, October 22nd, 23rd. So be sure to check that one out. And then finally, just a few short weeks after that, is the Healthcare Internet Conference, HCIC, November 4th through the 6th in Orlando, Florida. Good place to be November the 4th through the 6th. And we'll both have to catch a flight out to there. You Maybe possibly you could drive, but certainly I'm going to fly out to Orlando, Florida. And Florida in November is always a welcome site for people that live in Minnesota. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, those are the three conferences you will find us uh, starting uh, shortly after school starts, uh, September October and November. Be sure to sign up for the TPS report that has the links to all those conferences as well as some aggregated news from around the industry and then a little bit about what's happening over at Touchpoint. You can find that over on our website along with all the other shows, touchpoint.health. Rate, review, subscribe. We certainly appreciate the support. And before we depart, uh, maybe a couple of recommendations. What are you recommending this week? Reed, we're at the tail end of the 4th of July weekend, kind of a long weekend, and I am going to recommend something that I did twice over this weekend, which is go to a baseball game. Nice. I had the fortune of going to the Iowa Cubs game uh, on July 4th, and what, that was in Des Moines, Iowa. And that, what was it, even more interesting, Reed, I sent you a couple of photos, is I that you know, Iowa at this time of the year, well, this time of the, the election cycle, I should say, had a lot of uh, presidential candidates there. So not only did I enjoy a nice ball game, I got to see two Democratic presidential candidates that were right there at the, at the, uh, the ball game enjoying it with me. So that was kind of interesting. And then just today, up here in, in Minnesota, came back to the Twin Cities. I went to go see the Minnesota Twins play at the uh, Target Field Stadium. Uh, it was a long game, went into extra innings. Um, they still lost, unfortunately. But it was a great time just to sit in a ballpark, was there with friends and family, having a great time, enjoying a beer, just really, you know, just getting out in the ballpark at this time of the year. It's something I would strongly recommend. And that is going to be my recommendation. Nice. Yeah, it's always a good one. My son and I caught, we don't, we're actually in some, in an Airbnb waiting to close on our house. And uh, so we're right by the Nashville Sounds, which is the AAA affiliate for the Texas Rangers. And so we made it over to a game on the third, I guess it was. They weren't playing on the fourth, but on the third. And it, that is always a good time. So do highly recommend that. My recommendation is something I've used over the last couple of weeks. We were uh, down at the beach for a kind of annual vacation, which is always a good time. That's one recommendation, I guess, is to go to the beach. But uh, (laughs) specifically, uh, everybody's heard of Yeti. A lot of people have their uh, tumblers or their little uh, drink holder things and coolers and different things like that. I got a new Yeti cooler specifically that I thought was great for the beach their coolers are great anyway, but this is a great one from a carrying type standpoint. You know, some of those coolers are so big, they're so heavy. Like by the time you get them loaded down, you're like, good grief, man. Like who's going to be able to lift this thing? Well, this is the, uh, what they call the Hopper Back Flip 24. It's set up like a backpack. So it's a Yeti cooler 
soft side kind of cooler, backpack straps, the whole deal. And so when you're at the house and you're loading up and taking stuff down to the beach, you can throw this on your back, load it down with ice and drinks and snacks and you know whatever you want to put in there. And while it may be heavy, it does keep your arms free and uh, you can carry some other things like chairs and umbrellas and all that kind of jazz uh, down to the beach. Anyway. Awesome. Yeah. So the Hopper Backflip 24 is my recommendation. Little known fact that Minnesota has a fair number of beaches itself because we have so many lakes, right? So Mm -hmm. the beaches around the lakes. So very handy for us up here in Minnesota too. So I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, very cool. And they have a lot of different ones in different sizes, but that's, uh, that's one that works for me. So, well, there you go. Another successful episode in the books. Thanks for joining us for episode 127. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.